It's about to go down with Mark and Kathy, a live coaching show about dropping ideas. Mark and Kathy coach and have conversations with brilliant idea creators who are reimagining the world through the expression of their words, thoughts, and actions. Hey, everybody. It's about to go down. I'm Mark Williams. And I'm Kathy Armias, and we have JT Compo with us today. I'm so excited, JT. JT has this idea of not being afraid to talk about your own story. And so this is his idea. He is he works as a speech writer, y'all, a speech writer and a presentation consultant. So we're he's this is like a really geeky episode today. We're going to get into this in so many different <laughs> ways. Um, JT, I'm super excited because I want our audience to hear. I really want our audience to hear this message, like not to be afraid of their own story. So tell us a little bit more about that. And also like where you want to use it. Like, how do you want to use this idea? Sure. Well, thanks for having me on. This is very exciting. I know that you're you're starting your new season, so it's such a thrill to to be here. And congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. This idea is actually something that has been percolating in my brain for a long time because of the feedback that I get from my wonderful clients over the last uh, three or so years. And I think that the most important lesson that you can learn as an entrepreneur, just to start, is to listen to your clients, to learn from your clients. They will find things in your business that you would not have found on your own or or that a coach you might be working with would not have found because they had the experience of working with you. So this brand, the Content Interpreter, that's the name of my practice, is about authenticity. It's about accessibility. But this idea of embracing the story has come from quite a few clients who, as we're trying to find a narrative technique to express their expertise, to deliver that information to the audience, they would say to me, well, I don't know if we should include that or or I absolutely don't want to include that because either that that represents a a low point or a failure in my life, or I don't think that the audience will really care about this. And so that is really what's bringing this to the, to the forefront. So really quick, I just want to, I want to like stop and talk to the audience for a second. How many of y'all have done that? How many times have you done that? And I just, I know that anybody listening, if they're being honest, JT, they can answer with a yes. They absolutely, we are all ashamed of something or don't think it's relative or important. Okay, keep going. I just wanted our audience to know that we know they're out there. <laughs> well, I love that you stopped and talked to the audience because me, I struggle with this as well. And it's only after doing this for so long that I've been more willing to embrace not even failures or downturns, but perhaps just a a path that was not expected. Now, I started in media research. I still consider myself to be part of the marketing and advertising community, but on paper, running this practice, doing this consultancy looks like a bit of a detour, but over time, I've come to understand that it's actually just another step on the same journey. And that is what I want to communicate to my clients, that you can really own this thing. You know, when I speak to 
uh, students at my alma mater, Syracuse University, about once a year or so, I'm invited back to speak to them. I try to get them excited about their career by saying it could be anything you want, blank canvas, all these puzzle pieces just scatter that you can connect together in any way that you want. I don't know if they really believe me or not, but I like to think of that as trying to get in on the ground floor so that maybe in 10 or 15 or 20 years, they're not feeling like, well, maybe I can't include that or maybe I should gloss over that part of my story because it's all relevant. Mm. JT, talk, talk, talk to me for a moment because I'm I'm thinking about all the people that, that Kathy just spoke to, right? When she asked that great question. And all the people are like, I hear you, JT. I should own this story. But I've been trying to get rid of this story for the longest time. Mm. What's your response? What, what, because I think this is key to getting the idea out there, right? Because we've got to, my, my understanding is you, you've got to get people past wanting to let it go in order to let it out. Oh, Kathy, write that one down. I know. <laughs> You got to get past. I like it. Right? You started it. Right? So what, what's the process that you would share with others about letting go of it, right? So that they can let that mm. out. Well, I want to be clear that, that I am not a trained therapist, although <laughs> as coaches, I think that we can all three kind of relate to this idea that there, there is elements of that in there. I, th I think the process for... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think the process for letting it go really involves uh, some some introspection, some reflections. Like, what did I learn from this? How did maybe a, a difficult period, a professional downturn, for example, get me to the next stage? And uh, and I didn't mean stage, no pun intended there, but it it did. It, if it's literally gotten you to that next stage where people want to hear your expertise, and more importantly. They want to hear uh, your specific perspective on that, the, that course of study or on that expertise, then I think that is helpful in, in letting it go because you've already arrived at the place that, that uh, you feel like you should have. And so why not just own it? Because everything that uh, you've done before that has brought you there anyway. So I think it's, that, that's probably the first step uh, I don't know. I think every everyone's uh, path is is either shorter or longer, depending on who you are to to letting it go. But I try to encourage my clients to think about well, what what did you learn from this experience, or how was it relevant to you? Sometimes it happens very early on in their career. Someone told them something like, uh, I, I worked with a, uh, for example, a, a professor internationally renowned for her work on team development team dynamics. And she was coming up in a time where, and, and let me just preface this by saying it was never acceptable to say this to young women, but let's just say he was not called out on it in the way that he would be called out on it today. And appropriately so he said, girls don't belong in STEM. They just mm. don't belong here. And she took that internalized it and it changed the trajectory, at least of her undergraduate studies. And it wasn't until she got into her graduate studies that she found sociology and recognized like, oh, there's all these things that I love. And I have this English lit background and it blossomed into this wonderful uh, career. 
But I think that if you, if you tell people those things, if you let them know that, see here, I, I was there, I'm where you might, you might find yourself or where you think you are, that is incredibly relatable and it, and it creates an access point for the audience. Uh, JT, you just, we had a, you know, season two, we had Beach Pace, who is the CEO, Big Brothers, Big Sisters in the Columbia Northwest here. And she had a guidance counselor tell her that, that, that women don't go to West Point and <laughs> guess yeah. where she graduated from <laughs> West, West Point. Point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I think um, you're tapping into something though, that, uh, you know, one of the things I think for an idea to have like really good roots. And I think Mark nailed it right out of the gate is you're saying something that we've all heard before, right? It's not really a new idea. So we've got to, I think our goal right now is to help you paint, like what, what can JT say that will be very different than what we've heard and, and how will it really land with somebody and everything that we say doesn't land with everybody. So that should never be the goal, but like, how can it really land hard for some people? And I, I think we're starting to get in this space of where will it land is when you know it will make a positive difference to somebody else who might be able to relate to that same vulnerable situation. Or, you know, my sister's a great one of that STEM one. My sister went to Ohio State University. Her and one other girl were like the only people in the in the engineering uh, you know, department at that time when she was when she was going to college. There's like very few women. So I think yeah. had, you know, I think you can always, you know, our friend Lou Raja always says success leaves, you know, clues. So we can, if we can find clues with other people, it's the only way that we can give our gift of our bad story or the story that we're not proud of. It's a way that we can actually re-gift it to somebody else. I don't know. I'm, that's where my head's going. I don't know where you all are thinking, but like, there has to be something outside of yourself, Right. Right. Well, I love what you said about finding clues, because one of the, the steps in, in my process in working with clients is, is finding the insights. I come from a media research yeah. insights background. And yeah. so uh, I borrow a great deal from that experience. And so I think one other part of the process in terms of, of letting it go is that if you can link that experience to an insight that has shaped your success somehow, that really is what's relatable uh, to the audience. It's, it's not just, oh, this story on its own and I'm gonna include it because I'm trying to score points you know, artificially <laughs> with, with an audience. I think that if it's connected to an insight or a clue, that's I really love, I, I love that. The, so that could be your, like, I don't know if you already use that, but I feel like that could be a great formula for you. JT is like, you know how they, like, you know how they say with, for instance, with comedy, like, you know, tragedy plus time equals comedy, right? You have right. to allow the tragedy to, you know, brew and have some time. And then it can be, it can have comedic value. We can laugh at it. We can heal from it, whatever, no matter how deep or how hard the tragedy is. But what if your thing was, cause I love that. And you said something that I want to call out. Cause maybe you don't think this is very important, but I think Mark and I would say that you do. He called it a practice Mark. And I love that he called it what he does a practice. Yeah. And I, I think that there's some brilliance in that. Even you just said it like it was no big deal is I, I think that what the three of us do and what any, anybody that you work with does and anybody that we work with does anybody that's communicating, you're practicing what will work for your audiences where the, that audience be like 
sitting around the, the table with your family eating or hanging out with friends or networking or in a business meeting or standing on an actual stage. And so I think that you, I think what, where you could start to JT is like, you know, you practice taking things that, that you're not, and I don't know how you would term this because not everything's like, not everything's shameful. Not everything's bad. Mm-hmm. It like, what's the, what's the word that we can find, but then you add insights to it. And that's what makes it brilliant and shareable and wonderful. Like that's what gives it the spice or the life. I don't know that, yeah. I'm just in that in that space. I'm thinking about some kind of like equation or concept that you could do. I like this because it's not always like this big bombshell, right? Like, you know, it's not always like this, this uh, huge thing that happened in someone's life and it changed the trajectory. I've had clients, uh, I worked with an orthodontist a a couple of years ago, actually, who just thought, just plain thought that an aspect of his past was just not relevant to a presentation that he was giving. So he was talking about, um, and I can't actually remember the name of the procedure, but since I'm not an orthodontist, you know, no one, no we'll one's looking you. to me for that. <laughs> well, what would we do if, uh, <laughs> what would we do if we couldn't get our uh, guidance and uh, orthodontics from JT Compo, who's right? completely unqualified? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the procedure, but he was talking about it and it was, it was an academic presentation. So the, the hygienists and the fellow orthodontists and the people that ran those orthodontists' offices, uh, they were coming there for academic credit to see him speak. So there was nothing about that procedure that could really be glossed over or taken out in any way. And so that was a challenge. And the way that we ended up approaching that challenge so that the audience felt like they were being taken on a journey was talking about his mother. And as I was talking with my client, the orthodontist, he kept saying his mother, his mother, his mother. And I said, can we just like stop for a second and, and just like, let's, let's talk about this woman because she's fascinating. And he had mentioned that, oh, she was an orthodontist too, but it kind of glossed over it a little bit. We dig in further. And as it turns out, this woman, this brilliant woman studied under, and I can't remember this doctor's name either, so forgive me, but (laughs) studied under uh, one of the gentlemen who is considered to be the father of modern orthodontics. Mm. She's this great wealth of knowledge, had inspired this, this guy, my client, throughout his career And he started talking about how well, when there were snow days, she would take me into the office and I kind of observed how she would run this and treat the patients. And I said, that, that right there, that's that's what we need to focus on because that is what is accessible to everyone, even people, and the joke I always make with clients, even people like me that that don't know (laughs) anything about anything. You know, it's like if, if I the were a non-expert in, in orthodontics, right? <laughs> right, exactly. It's like if, if I were in the room, I would find that to be very compelling because so, talk but, about how, how uh, his mother not only taught him how to be a good, um, uh, I guess, technician would be the word in terms of being an orthodontist, but also pra- how to run. Practitioner. <laughs> yeah, practitioner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, and to, to run the business and to treat the patients uh, with, with the, the utmost respect and all of these lessons. 
JT, so it doesn't have to be this thing that's like this huge bombshell. It's like something that I think is so obvious to him that he kind of, it's so ingrained that not that, not that he forgot far from it, but it's. It's still, he's still close it's to It's just it. part of the story. Right. He's right. so yeah. close to the story. Mark, you know, I think you should talk about this because I know that you've talked about this quite a bit and you've practiced this in your own speaking. But I think in that particular case, he was probably afraid to be the hero of his own story, right? So talk about mm. that a little bit because mm. I think there's a way that he, you know, and I, I'm guessing that he didn't want it to sound like a humble brag, right? <laughs> oh, well, you know, my mom. So, uh, yeah. you know, Mark, I, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I'm, it's funny that you you mentioned that because I, I I've had this conversation with other people that I think sometimes we have this pressure to tell these magnanimous stories, right? And and, and to put ourselves out there. And sometimes we feel like no one's going to even be interested if we don't have that big story. And so mm -hmm. we're always looking for, shall I say, we're always looking for the superlatives, right? Yeah. We're, we're looking to be superheroes and we're looking for the superlatives. And as a result, we miss those tiny little details that are more accessible than those big moments. And mm -hmm. when, when you mentioned your, your, you know, your client, the orthodontist, it looks like everything was about him and about the work that he does. And just thinking about the other people who have led you to this point. I think is really key, right? Um, for some reason, we always want to be the hero. Maybe because we watch a lot of comic books and maybe because we glorify heroes. But there's nothing wrong with being the person who is stuck on the tracks, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and, and what I find interesting about your, and I'm going to use this word, practice, is being able to help people to identify and to uncover those moments mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to call them accessible moments even though you use the word excess points and I don't know if I want to use the word In downturn insights though insights, the insights because he said finding the insights yeah and so maybe you don't have to add another word to that mm. maybe that's the thing is like there's what's insightful that might even be a great question to ask people JT yeah what, what's insightful about your life? What have you, what insight have you found? Or like, cause I think that that always tell that immediately tells you you're looking inner, right? You're looking in, Oh, well, my, well, my mom was a great orthodontist. I guess that's an, you know, I, I, I just love your term of finding the insights. That's why I think it's part of the, I feel like you have a, a great opportunity for a something that you could teach. So if you were talking about this idea, let's say you were actually practicing it um, in another way, which is speaking on a practice. stage, there's different ways to practice it. Right. And right. I love you for this. Cause I always talk about being in practice in theory. When you're, st when you're standing on a stage, you're in theory, right. You're talking about things that you've practiced. And so mm. you get this chance to be in, you know, you're in there, you're talking about theories, but of things you've practiced. Um, maybe what you could do is teach this when you're talking about this idea, you teach it, but you're like, you have to find your insights because they're golden for other people. And so I feel like the whole thing should be like, that puts a positive spin on it. It's like, oh, you not never graduating college. 
that's an insight. That's an insight right. for somebody that's struggling because they don't think they're going to complete college. Oh, this is me now. That time you went to school and forgot your shoes and were too uh, afraid to call your mom to come bring them up. You walked around school in your socks on the whole day. That's an insight for somebody else. <laughs> Seems embarrassing for all these years, but then it's an insight. It's not an embarrassment and it's insight. So I feel like you could change the word that they think it is and change it to insight. Yeah. Embarrassment, oh, insight. Oh. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. Ah, he got excited. <laughs> I, I did. First of all, you reminded me about the time that I went to school and I had on two pairs of sneakers and didn't realize until a friend uh, mentioned it. And then I had to walk through school the whole day with two pairs of sneakers. Two different. Two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, and, and, and as you were telling that story and you were making that point, Kathy, I started thinking like, it's one thing to find the insight and it's another thing to have the intuition. And I, I wrote this down. I wrote, what is your insightful intuition, right? And to mm -hmm. me, that was like, how do you have, how do you develop that ability to find the insight in those moments that you're talking about? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Now I'm on fire. Hold on. Hold on. JT, we're like building this for you. I know. Okay. <laughs> So I was out, I was out, um, I was out hiking with my husband. Right. And I love to boulder and climb on things that you should, probably shouldn't be climbing on. And there was a tree that was growing. You could tell it was growing towards where the sun was. So it was one of those really weird, like a thick, you know, tree trunk that grew sideways and it was hanging over this lake. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to go on there. And my husband's like, I really like not good. Doesn't look good. doesn't look like you might be able to come back. Are you ready to swim? Cause that's what you're about to do. And so I get out there, no problem getting out there. Like, cause you're walking up. And so it was easy to make the grip and it was easy to get out there. I hung out. I was like, Oh, look, it's so great. When I came back, I was like, uh, I need help. I can't come back. Cause now my feet were going down and the pressure of going down was causing me to like fall gravity. Right. It wanted like, and it was not, it was thicker when I was going up, when I was going down, it was so thin. Like, it seemed like, so I had this stupid idea of like running all the way to him. I was like, Oh, get ready to catch me. I'm going to run. And then like, anyway, I finally got down and I had an insight from in that moment, Mark, which is what you said. And I used it in a storytelling class two days later. It was an insight of like the way up isn't always the way back. The way up isn't always the way back. And so that would be a practice of in the moment going. And I literally had it in the moment. I was like trying to get back and I was like, oh, no, my insight here is that that could be useful for other people. And so Again, we're going to go back to the word practice. You could, like Mark said, you could teach people to practice um, finding this, what'd you say? Um, insightful intuition. Like you're having the intuition of the insight in the moment or even reflecting on something that, that they've maybe buried in the past, but it could be a practice that's going on all the time. And that's where I think your idea really comes to life. Cause then it's not only about the past. It's, it's about every moment it's the present yeah so absolutely you know when i was uh and and shout out to my uh managers early in my career that that gave me the at least the ability to recognize that this is a, a skill because otherwise i don't think i'd be uh talking with you but i remember from those early days in my career is that when you're developing a target audience for toothpaste, right? And we won't mention the brand, but I worked with one <laughs> brand pretty heavily back in the day. 
is you have all these seemingly disparate pieces of data that you get from like, here's one Nielsen study, here's something from another consumer study. And it's like, how do they fit together? So it really is a practice. I love how you keep referring to that that word that I just kind of tossed out there uh, earlier on. Exactly. Because it really is about practicing um, that ability. I think the thing that can aid us in developing that ability and something that I've always tried to espouse to clients and, and people that, that follow me online and elsewhere is that it's really about collaboration. Because like I said in the beginning, my clients taught me so much about how to be effective and they, they don't think they're teaching me anything. They look at me as like, well, you're, you're my guide. And yes, that is true. I am their guide, but they're guiding me just as much, if not more. So collaboration is, is really the key. And I think if you combine those two things, the, the intuitiveness and the collaboration, you can get some pretty uh, remarkable as, results because I've, I've done talks before. And on one in particular, I worked with a writer myself, me, I worked with a writer and people are usually surprised to, to hear that, but I just knew that she was brilliant. And we had had a couple of conversations, of course. So it wasn't like I just hired someone blindly, of course, but, but I knew that she could find things, just mm. find things in my story that, that I would never think of. So I will always say, even in, in a context where I'm trying to sell, that it's like you should work with somebody, even if it's not with me, because you're doing yourself a real disservice and you're not going to find the things that you're looking for if you just try to go it alone. So I love all these things that we've got going here. I feel like there's a, a bunch of uh, irons in the fire. Collaboration. And, yeah, we're getting, <laughs> we're getting somewhere. JT, I got a question for you with that. The, the collaboration that you're speaking of, does that have to be with a trained professional such as yourself? Mm. Or can that collaboration to find that insight be with anybody in particular? Like, can I sit down with my wife and tell her about something and she can help me find that insight? Or do I need to sit down with a JT? What are your thoughts on that? I, I think that uh, sitting down with your, with your wife is that that's interesting. Cause my spouse is certainly like my guiding light and, and, and she definitely tells me when, when stuff is good and, and when it's, <laughs> when it's not landing. So shout out to spouses, Kathy, I know you. Yeah. Same. Really They're always that. right. Why are they always damn right? How <laughs> <laughs> do they get so good at doing what I do with my life's work? But uh, <laughs> Exactly. So I think that offers interesting insights. Uh, but I think like yourself, sometimes our spouses are, are too close to it as well. I, I think you know, it depends on what it is. I think if it's, it's, uh, if, if, if it's your life's work and she is kind of by your side through all of it, which I know that she is, and, and she's probably heard you talk about different aspects of your work throughout the years, maybe she'd be too close to it. But I think that... There's so much value in seeking counsel, seeking collaboration just in general, yeah. e even from a, a relative layperson, which quite frankly, I've always sold as one of my value propositions because people come to me and they're noted scientists and an award-winning journalist. And it's like, I could never hope to match the level of uh, prestige that they have achieved in their field. And so I 
take them back to basics. And I say, well, here's what I see in front of me. And we could talk about it. We can, we can negotiate about what makes it in and what doesn't make it in. But here's what's interesting to me as a layperson. So I think anytime that you can collaborate with anybody, it's a step in the right direction. But then when you get into like, well, how do I really nail this and bring it home for an audience? Then you would yeah. want to talk to someone like me, just, you know, it's probably, and you know, it's it. probably, it's probably not an, or it's an, and right. JT, because right. Maybe the, here's, here's where I think your idea, because, you know, okay. So I'm going to put my Ted, I'm going to put my Ted coach hat on for a second. Right. And I'm going to say that if you have an idea that's worth spreading, it would be an idea that somebody could sit with their wife or their spouse or their family or their partner or whoever. Right. And they could, they could find, they would be able to utilize your idea to find insights. And I think what you're talking about is, is like step two is like, I agree with you. When I went to do my, you know, when I was giving my first Ted talk, I did not do it by myself. I reached out some of my coach friends. There's no way I'm going to try to coach myself, you know? Right. Um, But I think what we're trying to get out with you right now, what are some of the questions that you could give Mark? Like if Mark, like, I want to sit down with my wife and, talk about how do I get into some of these great insights? Maybe that's part of your formula and part of your idea or what are those questions? Like, Mm. well, I could think of one question right out of the gate. What's the number one thing that you're embarrassed about? You're ashamed that you don't want to tell anybody. Let's start with the hard stuff, right? Right. What's the the one thing you don't want to tell or don't want anybody to know about you? Start there. Like, I don't know. Cause that's that's easy. You know where I really, I usually start though, is like, what is the number one thing that you want the audience to take away? whether it's a piece of information or a feeling speeches, they all have different purposes and, and, well, or that could actually be the first question, but I'm assuming that, that they have a a clear goal for, for what it is that they're, they're trying to do on stage. But I think what, what is the main thing that you want the audience to take away? And that really provides a lot of focus because I think when they're asked to speak, uh, like, like this woman that I was referencing earlier, the, the noted uh, uh, team dynamics expert, she was asked to do an hour on your area of expertise in front of a hundred uh, physicians, ER staff, nurses, uh, all these really accomplished people. And I think she got understandably a little spooked because she's a lecturer. Uh, you know, when she goes into a classroom, she said, I could just say open to chapter two and I literally wrote the book so I could just go up there and kind of you know, do, do what I do. And she said this, it's like, there's like a million permutations on, on, on what that is and how do I make it accessible? And, you know, do I, what do I include? And, and uh, you know, what's funny about that really is that uh, uh, we were, kind of fighting a little bit in, in, in one point about what pop culture references to put in because she is a noted academic and she thought that that was like a little too much. And so mm-hmm. I think the negotiation point was uh, uh, including that her favorite show is Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. And even that kind of took a little coaxing. So I think just asking that first question up front, it's like, well, what do you want the audience to get out of this is a great starting point. Or as you suggested, Kathy, go the other way. I think whatever gets you uh, into some, and you know, everyone's saying, oh, well, think outside the box. That's, that's the common phrase. But I think you, you want to get into some kind of box because if there are no boundaries whatsoever, yeah. 
it could just be a million different things and, and you'll always be staring at a, a blank page or a blank screen. I, I'm going to challenge that for a second because we all do this. So we always, we, you know, this is something, this is like coaching, speech coaching 101, start with the end in mind, right? Uh, like we always, we always want to get to that. And somebody who doesn't live or breathe the way we do, uh, maybe wouldn't, don't think of that. Obviously, there's so many people that end their speeches and talks with thank you because I believe they're lazy and they hadn't really thought about how they were going <laughs> to close. And so that's the only way to let people know. But what if, I feel like it's two different things, JT. And here's why I want to tell you that because I know you'll understand mm. this. And I think it's a, yes. Okay. We, in the whole bigger picture of like, they're going to get, you know, this lady that you're talking about, she's going to go give a, you know, and she's going to give an hour speech to her colleagues and she's freaking out. And so like, ultimately, what do you want them to walk away with? But remove that for a second. What are the things that I don't, what are the, why, what am I, what story am I afraid of telling is a, can add the spice to anything. Like mm. she can pull out of her bag of tricks. Like if she were to answer, if she were to go through your idea, and now this is just me thinking about the mechanics of your idea, your concept, she could already have a bag, if you will, of like, oh, well, there was this time this, or this happened to me. It's almost like she'd be pulling these out of her story file already. So mm -hmm. I see that as a different thing. I don't, I wouldn't put those two together yet. I would be like, mm -hmm. hey, I think your idea is more in the space of, how do I drum up these things that I, I'm afraid to talk about, you know? I like yeah. the idea of the story file because it's kind of like you're uh, appearing on uh, Colbert or something, right? Like when you're yeah. like, on Colbert, it's like you have to, if you're a star, you have to have like these interesting anecdotes. But I, I think that that's relevant for, for all of us, whether we realize it or not. So I like that. Mark, I, I didn't mean to cut across you there, my friend. No, 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 that, that's fine. What I was going to add to that is, Part of it's the story file. And the other part that Kathy really introduced was really the question file, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Especially yeah. as coaches, I think one of the ways that we're able to help people to discover those insightful moments is by asking the questions that help to, them to dig it out. And so I wonder the, the, the types of questions that you could put in front of people so that they can start to, I'm, I'm using, I'm such a geek, excavate. Where would I come from? Excavate. <laughs> I'm going to excavate your, your thoughts into your, out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> but one of those questions, like, like Kathy said, what's one thing you don't want to tell, right? And I thought, what's, what's one everyday thing that happens in your office that you think is completely irrelevant? Totally. Right? Like, like totally. those kinds of questions then start to drum up all of those different things that they never would have thought of that you've been able to get them to think of. And, and, and I agree with Kathy. You're right. We need to think about the end in mind. But you didn't get that mother story from thinking about the end in mind. Totally. You right. Exactly. Yeah. Because you were asking so many other questions beyond the regular questions that dug it out. And to be able to get people with their insightful intuition, with, with finding their insight, with their insightful practice, we'll work on that concept title, right? But by getting people to exercise those types of questions, that gets them into the practice of coming up with those moments that they never would have considered talking about. And I think that's the genius of your idea, getting yeah. people to talk about things they never would have thought about, whether they thought it was irrelevant whether they thought it was a downturn, whether they thought it was too tragic, 
whatever the case may be, there's value in it, but they need those questions to dig them out. Ooh, Mark, you're fire. On fire. <laughs> I love that. You know, it, it brings to mind uh, something else that is so key in this, and I'm sure that you two can relate, is that it really, doesn't that really start with trust? Because you're not going to get that from a, a, an initial conversation. They have, to, they have to trust you first. They have to trust that you're going to be a caretaker of their story. And for however long they're going to be up on that stage, you're kind of the guardian, the caretaker of their persona. And yeah. I think it's scary. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you, do you uh, have any insights on, on how you gain trust? Because I, I, I don't know if I have a specific formula for that. I think I just start and I, I try to be as curious as I can, not project anything onto their story or, or their uh, opinion or their point of view, but somehow I get there. So I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because you both, I think, are more experienced than I am. So I'm, I'm here to learn. <laughs> I, I, I think JT that, um, you, I don't think, I think this is something that could be done with or without you. I, I, I want to keep stressing that because I think you're the genius that came up with this idea of the insightful intuition, you know, theory or something like that. But I think, I think that when we start off and you say like, here's a series of questions that you could ask yourself, you could ask them with somebody that you care about. If you come to a practitioner like me, we're going to get deep into these mm -hmm. things. So I think that you, I don't, don't keep pigeonholing yourself into that equation. Allow, allow the world to use your idea and however they need to. I think the genius that Mark just pointed out was that you create the questions that will cause people to go, you just said mm -hmm. it, Mark. Like I was thinking, what's the most boring thing that I do every day? There could be something very insightful into that that I think is just very boring for Kathy or Mias, but might be an insight for somebody else. What's the most tragic thing that happened to me? That might be very insightful for somebody else. What's the most embarrassing thing that happened to you, JT? That might be insightful for somebody else. Mark, uh, Mark is Mark always calls himself. I don't want to get this title wrong, right? The lover of mamas, right? Mamas, mamas the boy. World mama's the world champion of mama boys. That's what it is. I didn't want to get it wrong. And you know, Mark has so many great stories about his mom that he could have easily bottled up and just been like, oh, this was life with my mom. This wasn't, but he chose to share those insights. So anyway, I think, I think I want you to like make that boundary bigger for people. And, and okay. maybe you could tell your clients, like if you were working with a client one-on-one, -on -one, I have a storytelling session that I do. It's usually session number two that I do with somebody when I'm coaching them. And then I have a bunch of questions that I ask to get into different parts of their life to start pulling stories out. So you could maybe make that part of your practice. Oh, you know, I love that. Yeah. You could say, well, I'm going to get some, I'm going to get into some questions that are going to get into your insights. Some of them may be comfortable. Some of them may not be like, but um, when you're ready to step into that space with me, this is where we're going to be able to pull the best stories that will be insights for your audiences. So I, something like that. I love that. I love that. It, it, it really touches on a question I'm asked a lot. It's like, well, who do you work with? And, and I found that over the course of my 
doing this, that there's not one particular person in terms of industry. But what I always come back to is like, well, what's the mindset? Mm-hmm. Like, do they have this coachability? I remember when I worked with the, my career coach that helped me conceive of this uh, business uh, back in 2017. And uh, she always said to me, well, you're very coachable. Like you don't just dismiss mm-hmm. ideas because they don't fit within your yeah. preconceived idea of like what this business should or could be. And I said, yeah, those are the kinds of people that I really want to work with. So I, I love that. I love how you, you have a set of questions that gets people into that, that mindset. That's could you imagine, JT, if somebody said you were coachable or if somebody said you were insightful? Mm. What would that mean to somebody to be told you are very insightful and now yeah. let's take this journey? That could change everything, really, because as I demonstrated, I carried that with me for the last four years that someone told me I was coachable. And I've sort of hung on to that as like, oh, look, see, look how coachable I am. But, <laughs> but I always kind of used it as, as a, a template, right, for, for, well, this is the kind of person that I would like to, to work with. Now, there are plenty of uh, other traits in, in myself that I, <laughs> I wouldn't want to see in a client. Well talk about those later, but, but the, the coachability, I think is really important because that's, that's the only way that you're going to get to these insights. Cause if someone was completely closed off and like, well, I, I don't want to answer that. Then it's like, like, how do you but work then, with that? But there again, JT, uh, that's, uh, that is in your work with the client, right? So I'm going to bring yes. it back to the, I'm going to bring it back to the other one for a second. Cause Mark, you said something that, ah, oh, this is a beautiful question. I could imagine you saying you, you, JT, Mark, you, any of us saying this to any client that we ever work with, but what, what would it take for your audience to say that you were insightful? Like, Ooh. I think that that's such a powerful question. Like if I'm coaching somebody ultimately at the end of the day, yeah. What do I want them to leave with? Of course. Right. What do I want them to do with my idea? Like you have an idea. What do you want them to do with that? But what would it take for them to go? Wow. He was so insightful. She was so insightful. I feel like that's a goal. Like, I feel like that, that you can, right. I feel like so Mark, you pulled that out. Like that was beautiful. When you said that you just made my, my brain like lit up. I was like that. If I'm anybody communicating in any space, I would definitely want them to say that about me. What's That's better than crazy. that? Yeah. I know, I know. And JT, when you were talking about building that trust, right? Mm-hmm. Well, part of that building that trust, not only with somebody you're collaborating with, but building that trust within yourself as an individual, being told or believing that you are insightful. I think it's so key yeah. to that, right? How so? And and so that's why I love that question, Kathy. I love how you put it. What would it take for someone to say you are insightful? Mm-hmm. That implies that there's a point where you believe that there is insight that you have to offer. Wow. Oh, yeah. And it's wow. collaborative. It goes back to your thing too, JT. Because if 
Mark, let's say you and I were talking to Mark and he's going to share something on the stage. If Mark stands on a stage and he shares something and his audience thinks it's insightful, they shared a bond, whether that, that, because the audience now thinks, oh, that's insightful. That, that affects the way I think it's insightful. They've made a connection, whether that connection was completely personal or not, because it's not even a personal conversation, but they've definitely collaborated in some really cool, bigger way. And that's, yeah. so it, it transcends everything because like, like my little joke, right. It's like, well, if I crash, you know, here, your hotel ballroom or I, you know, I, I lost my way or something and I ended up uh, listening to your speech, was there something that's relatable? Uh, that insight, yeah. right. That transcends everything. I remember when I, one of my first clients is a macro economist at a well-known uh, bank here in the States. And she was always kind of focused on like the technical aspects of things. And we came to this line that I've sort of used as a, a mantra myself, at least when you're crafting the, the narrative part of this is that expertise is basic. It's like mm. everybody that you're talking to, it's like they have studied the same things that you're studying. <laughs> the only people that can really understand some of the things that she was talking about are other economists, quite frankly, I I did my best, uh, but I, I wasn't quite there. Uh, <laughs> expertise is basic. I really, I, I do think that there's something. I love that. that people are put <laughs> off by that line, uh, but it is something that I say to my clients one-on-one -on -one because it kind of pushes past this idea that, well, I'm only going to talk about the things that make me look really smart. If they're put off, JT, it's because they're not coachable. I promise you. They're they really are. That's a good... Yeah, we're not coachable because I, th I, I, I actually have a really good friend that's an economist and he would laugh about that. He would think that that's very funny because oh, it okay. is, it's true. I think, I think anybody in their space, I think it's a brilliant line. I think it's a brilliant way to start. Like, how can you be insightful? Mm, not just by everything that everybody else in the room already knows. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, and I, I can't even remember how we came up with that line, but we, we settled great. on it because I, I think it was just, there was a lot of jargon being thrown at me. And I said, I don't understand a lot of this. So <laughs> it's like, I can't follow the thread. So you yeah, know, that's not the best barometer, but uh, it certainly is uh, a barometer. I think something, something to, to follow um as you're thinking about these things yeah jt i was going to go back to that's the genius of learning how to ask those questions mm -hmm. and to carry a conversation and so that's why i go back to what kathy mentioned earlier because i just think that was brilliant the questions what are the questions because that's a part of the practice when we go back to that word that's a part of the practice being able to learn how to ask the right questions or to just keep asking questions until you dig to that point. And I think that there's a lot of people, JT, who could really benefit from that. I always say that we live in a very statement-oriented or statement-focused society. We post information, we blog information, we record information, mm -hmm. we're waiting for likes, but we don't really ask a lot of questions. We're not a really question-centered being. Right? right. So being yeah. able to teach people the practice of asking more questions so that they can uncover. I didn't say excavate this time. So that you can find the insight. I think it's really important. So um, I love the idea. And, and Kathy, I love those words like boring, tragic, embarrassing, everyday. Yeah. 
right? Putting those types of words into questions that people can practice so that they can find the insights, whether they're doing a presentation, getting ready for an interview, getting ready for an important conversation, getting ready for a holiday party, whatever the case may be. But, you know, asking the, teaching people how to ask those questions, as I think is a really important part to helping people to find the insight. Um, so, yeah, that's what Beautiful I want to say. It's a good. Beautifully put. Yeah, uh, love it. Uh, JT. Oh, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm taking it all in. I'm like in stunned silence. I can't believe uh, we covered so much ground here. This is really... Uh, uh, such an insightful conversation, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Uh, love no it. <laughs> yeah, well, pun intended, but. <laughs> well, JT, with that said, and, and you're right, we've taken this journey with, with your opening idea, right? Hmm. And the opening idea around owning your story, right? Not being embarrassed to, to, to own your story um, and to embrace your story. So, Take a moment to, to, to break that silence for a moment and mm -hmm. share with us how your opening idea has changed for you since we started this conversation. I think that it is much more open mm. than when I first started, that, that there's uh, questions that, that need to be posed not just the questions that I would ask a potential client, but questions that I need to ask myself to make myself a better practitioner. The first among them being like, well, why, why don't you have a, a, a set standard set of questions to ask people? Because I usually let the client lead the way. But I think that, that yeah, it's, it, it's become a lot more open. And I think it involves uh, me a little bit more in this process and not to... Uh, discount my role in a way that perhaps I would have discounted it before. So I, that, that is a lovely gift. So I thank you for that. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Well, JT, for, for those who would love to find out more about how to find the insights, right? About how mm. to practice this insightful practice or this insightful intuition. We'll come back to you at another time to talk about the actual title of that concept. But for those who want to find out more from you, find out more about you, or find out how they can find their insights through you, how do people find out more about you? I am everywhere, it seems. No, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, on, uh, I'm at contentinterpreter.com. I'm sure you can include a, a little web link there. And on the website, you will find videos. You'll find a, you'll find a, a speech writing guide at, at contentinterpreter.com slash free hyphen guide that gives little videos, little thought starters. So, so there are some questions that, that I have asked people. It's, it's just in video form and you get to, to uh, see those delivered to your inbox. Uh, I'm on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, most recently, I've actually uh, started creating Spotify playlists that I think are, are relevant uh, for public speaking. So look out for that, too. I'm creating the next one uh, as we speak, actually. But, but uh, I find that any access point, any way that I can get these ideas across is, is an avenue worth exploring. So find me. Please connect. I would love it. Mm, love that. 
That sounds absolutely great. And for anybody who wants to find out more about how you can take your ideas, turn them into insights, insight other people so that they can find out how insightful you are and how insightful they can be. Oh, Kathy and I would absolutely love to have that conversation with you. So until the next time, hope you enjoyed your time because today it got dropped because it's about to go down. down. Yeah. <laughs>